that one song we always sing, the storm is passing over. But you've got to stand in the storm in order for it to pass over. Yes, Lord. Sometimes people um, do the wrong things in the middle of storms. You've seen those storm chasers where they're chasing after the storm? It is the wrong thing to do. Inevitably, their lives don't last very long because they're chasing the storm. I'm not chasing the storm. I'm waiting. I'm in the storm and I'm waiting for it to pass over me. I'm not outside trying to observe the storm. I'm trying to endure it. So that when the storm finally passes over, I can say, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So that when the storm passes over, I can shout hallelujah. So we are here in the middle of the storm, in the middle of it, fighting it. Um, but I'm going to encourage you for something this morning, uh, something that the scripture repeats over and over. I've got quite a few scriptures I'm going to have to go over today. Um, but if you don't mind, you're going to help me read them. Yes. But the, if the whole purpose of these scriptures is that we fear not. The storm's high, the storm's rough. The seas are... I heard this one story about these people who do those solo um, yachts around the circumnavigate the the globe in a yacht, small yacht, solo, and they don't know how to swim. And because the the theory is if you go overboard, it's over, knowing how to swim is not gonna help you. So if you go overboard, don't even worry about it. Because you're not gonna make it. So you have to have a certain type of fearlessness to get into a boat, Solo and head out to sea. I personally don't have that kind of courage in my own skill. Right? Right? That I would go into a boat and by myself and head out to the ocean, not be able to see land and not have the ability to at least try to save myself if I happen to go overboard. And why am I saying all that? Because there's a certain type of fearlessness yeah. that that person has to have to go out and do that. Mm-hmm. And the scripture is telling us in multiple scriptures to fear not. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Yeah. You remember when the, Mary, when, the, when the angel came to Mary? Yeah. His first thing he said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And one thing I want to encourage you today, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know the odds don't look good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But don't be afraid. I know it's against us. The odds are against us. I know it's stacked against us. But don't be afraid. Hallelujah. You know the fear has the fear response is actually in its right place. It's good. The problem with the fear response is that it can go out of control. And instead of you doing the right thing, you start doing the wrong thing. Have you ever heard that term, um, the either fight or flight response? Fear is supposed to give you a quick trigger so that you do one or the other. But if you let fear dwell in you, you end up doing the wrong thing. Instead of fighting, you're running. And instead of running, you're fighting because you've allowed fear to consume you and make your decisions for you. Thank you, Jesus. When you're in the middle of a a life-threatening situation, fear can provide for you a little bit of adrenaline that you need to take off running because you don't know what that tiger's about to do. Right? You don't know how certain situations are going to... So fear helps you to trigger you, but fear can also... When your friend's in danger, fear makes you think, 
I'm not going to have to, I don't want to deal with whatever he's going through. And fear takes you off in the wrong direction. Instead of you helping your brother yes. or your friend, you've taken off running. Right, right. Yes, sir. That's the kind of fear I want you to avoid. Right. When the scripture's talking about fear, that's the one he doesn't want you to do. Amen. He doesn't want you to do the wrong thing in the right situation. Right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He wants you to show the courage that is through the Holy Spirit in the right situation. Thank you, Jesus. Fear, when, you, you know, everybody has a natural and a normal fear of the dark. I remember when I was younger, I, ha I was so paralyzed by my fear of the dark. And it got to the point, it got to the point where I literally one day, I think I was, I was less than 11, I don't remember the exact age, but I got so sick of feeling like this that I literally went upstairs one day switched off the light, closed the door in the pitch blackness and sat there. I said, if you're going to do, if the darkness is going to do something, go do it now because I'm tired of feeling like this every single night I go to bed. I sat in the middle of the room for, I don't know how long it was there for. I said, you're going to do this. Go ahead and do it because I had to overcome what was a debilitating fear of the dark. I couldn't function. Every time they told me to go to bed, Tony would, Tony would, mostly be responsible for sending me to my bed at nine o'clock. Yes, every so I'd have to go to bed. Every time I'm like, oh gosh, it's dark up there. I wanna leave every light on upstairs before I go to bed. Then I can't go to sleep because all the lights on. And then Sonia or Floyd would come upstairs, why are all the lights on? And if I'm not asleep by then, I'm in complete fear of the dark. So that one day I said, I've gotta overcome this, this is irrational. If I'm in a situation where somebody's chasing me, maybe that's an appropriate level to get that adrenaline so I can get away. But this was every night. Fear started to knock me out of just of the idea of just simply going to sleep. Sometimes fear does that kind of, of thing to us. When it's our time to believe in the Lord, we are dwelling on our deepest fears. When it's time for us to work according to the, what the ministry is asking for us, we are scared of what it might mean to fail. Fear now is no longer good for us. And in fact, it's starting to work against us. So let's start with a scripture that the minister read last week in 1 John 4. We're actually going to read quite a little bit of this one because I, I just love this, this, this scripture. He, he read it during... Uh, during our communions last week. And that was a wonderful communion, by the way. I'm Thank really grateful Jesus. that we were able to get together in that way. Uh, we have to, like I said, we have to do it on a more regular basis, and I'm looking forward to doing that. And I'm grateful for the minister being the celebrant as well. First um, John chapter 4. Let's start at uh, verse 5. Thank you, Jesus. When you said it, when you got this, please say amen. amen. They are of the world, therefore... Speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. He was talking about, this time he was talking about false teachers. That there are false teachers in the world, and because they are of the world, the world tends to have a good ear for the world. So false teachers kind of get a better, better kind of audience than we do, because it's used to hearing it in that kind of way. The world hears the world. Right? What we are trying to do is hear those, to get to those people who actually are never were the world, but are just looking for that chance to find the Christ. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. People who are designed to know, the, to know Christ 
gravitate to the message we have. Mm -hmm. right. That's right. The world doesn't. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Love is of God if you love your part of God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It's an amazing definition here. It really broadens our understanding of who God is, that the core of God is love. Love. God is love. Thank you, Jesus. So he's identified the characteristics of what we need to be. He's saying because God is love, and the only way we can recognize you is by love, you've got to be just like God. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. God's love, God is love, God shows love by sending his love, by sending his son. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just keep reading that for me, please? Here in verse 10. Yes. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also love to love one another. Okay, just to be clear here, he's saying Jesus was a substitute for our sin. Yes. Right? Yes. And if Jesus was a substitute for sin, that means God loved us. Right. That's right. And if God loved us, as in the collective, we ought to love each other. In other words, he's saying it like this. You ought to love what God loves. Right? If you're not loving what God loves, you don't love God. It's quite difficult if me and my wife are sitting here, I love my family, and she don't love my family. It's going to be difficult. We're going to quarrel every once in a while. Because we have to love what each other's loves. Right? If God loves us, the collective, that means you have to love us, the collective. If you want to show this, reflect the same kind of love he has, you have to love what he loves. And if he loves his church, you better love his church. Imagine you come back, you say you don't like his church and he loves it. And in fact, he gave his son for it. No, it's not going to work. How am I going to treat you with respect? You don't treat with respect the thing that my son loved, the thing that my son gave his life for. We've got to love what he loves. I need to keep going, though. This is what I came to talk about. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. What he's reconfirming is, you haven't seen God. But you do see each other. Amen. You haven't seen God, but you do see each other. Therefore, if you're saying you love God and you don't love the ones he loves right in front of you, uh, it's kind of a bit dodgy. Your assertion is probably suspect. If you're suggesting that you love God, you, you can't see, and the thing he loves is right in front of you, and you don't love him. It's tough. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. Again, coexistence. Love I have for each other reflects who God is. His love for us is shown in that he gave his son. His, our communion with him is shown in that he gives us his spirit. 
Thank you, Jesus. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We testify, we testify that. Whoso, because of this, whoso shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. It's word reconfirming word. Look, if we believe that God is, and we believe God is love, and we believe that God sent his Son because of love, yes, sir. We then, who say Jesus was sent by God, yes. acknowledge God's love. Amen. It's a word that confirms its word. You see that? Because God gave his son because of love, we confirm God's love by saying Jesus is the son of God. Jesus died for my sins. I'm confirming God's love. Verse 15, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwelleth in him. And he in God. What he's basically saying is his word dwells in you. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. And we have known and believed that God hath, God hath to And we have confirmed and known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. See how powerful the love of one another is? It's a confirmation of that God is living in you. Yeah. When you can confirm that you love the saints of God through all their busted, messed up, terrifying lives. When you can prove that you love God and love the people of God, you are confirming the love of God is dwelling in you. Don't ever let it come out of your mouth that you hate the saints. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. You may have to endure them. You may have to, it's like, oh gosh, they're going through this again? That's reasonable, but you've got to love and pray for them the same way. This is who God loves. That's who he loves, that's who I'm going to love. Thank you, Jesus. And we have known and believed the love of God, verse 16, that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 18, this is where I wanted to get to it. I'm so sorry I took so long. But there is no fear in love. No fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Here's this idea of fear I was talking about earlier. We have to, by reason of love, cast out fear. Have you ever seen a dog respond? I remember we had uh, the the one dog, Seven. This dog did something, and I got that dog so bad. I said, I'm going to get you. And I went down there and got the dog. And it got to a point where he was so scared of me, he started to growl at me. And at first I was thinking to myself, no, this dog didn't just start growling at me. But it was because he was so panicked and scared that that was, he thought that was the only thing left for him to respond. Maybe this is the only response. Then he stopped doing it. Then he started again. Then he stopped. I realized I'd taken it too far. The dog was so scared now, he was willing to try anything to get out of the situation he was in. The fear response is dangerous 
to a mind that's supposed to be spiritual. The fear response is dangerous because it will do anything to get out of the situation it is. It will lie. Imagine you, you, you're so scared of somebody and their response that you'll lie just to, just to tell them anything. Imagine the fear response where somebody's so scared that they just haul off and punch somebody. You've seen it. Where somebody was just, they wouldn't normally have hit them, but they were so scared they thought they just had to defend themselves. The fear response causes us to act in a un, in an un, a, inappropriate way. And we have to guard against the fear response because it will create in us a situation where we're lashing it out against the people of God, the ones we're supposed to be loving. That's true. And what looks like fear, or what you know to be fear in your heart, looks like anger to somebody else. I've seen people get into an argument and I'm thinking one person's just furious and really what they are is scared. It looks like anger. But actually what they're doing is they're scared. They're scared of the situation. And if you ever have a friend and they go off at you about something and you come to find out later they were just scared about what they were going through. And they didn't mean to go off at you. They didn't mean to show you. Um, they mean to show you that side of them. But they were scared. Fear displaces the good words that are supposed to be coming out of your mouth and turns them into bad words. We have to be careful about what fear is, what fear does, what fear transforms us into. We have to reject fear with the embracing of love. True love casts out fear. True love casts out fear. So let's start looking at a few places where the scripture is encouraging us to fear not. I'm going to ask the minister just to find the first one for me in Isaiah 41 and 10. Just hold that scripture for me there. Sister Nia, I'm going to ask you to find Genesis 15 and verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you all these scriptures afterwards um, if you're trying to struggle to write them down. But I'm going to need your help just for now. If, if Sister Tanya, you can find Genesis 21 and 17, and we're going to hold that right there. Thank you, Jesus. I'll get one for you in a second, Sister Tanya. Thank you, Jesus. So we've got three scriptures. We've got Isaiah 41, 10. We've got Genesis 15 and 1. We've got Genesis 21 and 17. Can we start with the first one, please, Minister? Fear yes. thou not, for I am with thee. Yes. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. So here the Lord is speaking to Isaiah to speak to the people. And he's encouraging them to not be fearful. Why is he saying don't be fearful? He says, because what? I am with you. Now note, when I was younger, I said I was scared of the dark. I was never scared when we had to, me and Floyd shared a bedroom. I was never scared when Floyd was in there. And no matter how dark it was, I was never scared when Freud was in the bedroom. Never was. Because somebody else was there. It didn't matter how dark it was then because somebody else was there. More importantly, somebody else was there who was stronger than me. Right? I didn't have to worry about what the dark was then. I never thought two, a, a second about the dark when Floyd was with me. Because we were together. Right? I figured it was going to get him first, at least. Right? 
What is the Lord telling us? You're not alone. Don't let fear dominate you. You're not alone. I'm with you. I'm right next to you. Don't let fear dominate you because you're not alone. Whatever situation you're coming against, whatever enemy looks like he's stronger than you, don't worry about it. You're not alone. You're not facing this problem by yourself. If that was it, then maybe there would be a reason to be an issue. Frankly, I wasn't alone in the house. Right? Everybody was downstairs. But for me, my infantile way of thinking meant it was I was alone with whatever monster was in the house, was up, had to be upstairs, and he had to be close to where I was, according to my own fear. Fear was running amok. Right? It had completely messed with my whole, my whole way of getting to sleep. And that's what we've got to, when the Lord is saying, be not afraid. Don't let your situation dominate how you're thinking about what you're going through. Yes, there's an army against you. That's real. Right? He's not saying that the situation isn't real. You've just made up something because you're not thinking about how I'm with you. Think about how the Lord is with you. What's the next scripture? Genesis? Yep. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Just to be clear, I mean, Abraham had been told Amen. to leave the land of his fathers, right? Yes, he had been told to get out and go. Mm -hmm. And he was in the middle of nowhere with whoever he had got as an inheritance. And the Lord is saying to Abraham, Fear not. I am your shield. Not only am I with you, I'm your shield also. So a shield is a defensive weapon. Right? So if something's going to attack you, I'm going to take it for you. I'm going to bear the burden of the attack when they come at you, you Abraham. You don't have to worry. Don't be afraid. Not only am I with you, but I'm fighting alongside you. Fear is an appropriate response for us. Fear isn't reasonable for us because we are with, the Lord is with us and we are with him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fear not, I am your shield. And what did he say? I am your great reward. I am your shield and I am your great reward. Don't be afraid, saints. Whatever you do, whatever you're going through, don't let fear be the thing that makes you respond. Whether it's lashing out or whether it's to cringe away from the challenge of the situation don't let fear dominate you in that way thank you Jesus what's the next one Genesis 21 Genesis 21 verse 17 yes. and God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her what aileth thee Hagar fear not for God hath heard the voice of the lad and where he is thank you Jesus so, so Hagar's son had prayed, Ishmael, had prayed and asked the Lord for help because Abraham had just sent them out the camp. And the boy prayed and the scripture says that the spirit of the Lord came to Hagar and says, fear not, for I've heard you. I have heard you. So he's with us. He's our shield and our reward and he hears us. 
In my darkest hour, we assume we're going through the problem by ourselves and we assume we're not being heard. That, that's one of the worst things if you are trapped in a situation and you're shouting as loud as you can only to realize that no one can hear you. That must be the most distressing situation to go through. That you are shouting as loud as you can and no one hears you. And if they so if the one person could hear you, you know you'd get rescued. I remember that one guy who was in the Utah Grand Utah um, uh, desert. He got trapped down in this one canyon. He got pinned by his arm by a boulder, shouting for two days. No one was coming. Can you imagine how distressing you would, would have been? How fear that how that would be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It would be easy to give in to despair. Yes. To just say, oh, well, no one can hear me. That is not our situation, saints. That's not our situation. He's hearing every cry and every voice that we lift. He's hearing it. It's not the situation you're in. Don't be afraid because the Lord is with you and he hears you. And he's your shield. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No matter what it is, ask with confidence. And don't respond to the Lord with fear. Don't respond with fear. He's hearing you. Thank you, Jesus. Ever been in a fight and you've got all the people on your side? You're not the one who's acting afraid. Everybody's on your side. The fear's supposed to be over there. The odds are with you. You're not by yourself. Cry unto the Lord. He's hearing your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's move on to... We've got a few more scriptures. Sister Sunday, if you go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And Minister Flag, if you'll go to St. John 14 and 27. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, right. but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us the spirit of fear. So the origins of fear are not in the spirit world. They're from the flesh. They're not from the Holy Spirit. They're not from anything here, anything that God is giving us. They're from the flesh. They originate in the flesh. And you can understand why the fear response, as I've said before, is useful. If, somebody, if there is danger... You want to be able to respond appropriately to danger. And that will help give you a bit of adrenaline boost to go take off and running or to start fighting and defending yourself. It's a useful response. Thank you, Jesus. But sometimes it transforms into something else. And that's what we've got to avoid. And the scripture is saying, we've not given you the spirit of fear, but of what? Yes. Power, love, sound mind. That means fear can sap your power. Fear, as we've already noted, is the direct opposite to love. And then fear can affect a sound mind. Why? Because you're going to respond in a way that's not appropriate to the situation if you're fueled by fear. Fear becomes the exact antidote of the positive things of power, a sound mind, and love. Jesus. We have to be careful of fear. 
We can't let it dominate you. You can't let it inspire you. You've got to push it out and reject it. Thank you, Jesus. The next scripture. St. John 14. Yes. 47. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. A fear and fear yes, displaces peace. Yes. Anybody who's fearful can't be at peace. You scared the whole time you live in? Mm-hmm. That is not a peaceful way to exist. Yes, so Jesus said before he left, I'm going to give you my peace. Yes. Not the world's kind of peace. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you something spiritual in nature to displace your fleshly idea of peace, which is the world's version of peace which involves fear. The kind of peace I'm going to give you is going to displace your fear. Don't be afraid. Dwell in my peace. Thank you, Jesus. As we said just a moment ago, sound mind kind of, the fear and the sound mind kind of live in two different polar opposites. And we've got to make sure we maintain our sound mind. Sister Sister Nia, bless Sister Tia in Jesus' name. Um, Sister Nia, um, Go to Proverbs 12 and 25. You can't be at peace if you have a troubled heart. You can't be anything peaceful when your heart is troubled or fearful. Heaviness in the hurt of man maketh it stop, stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Thank you, Jesus. The heart is response to the situation of what's said to it. Yes. We have to be careful what the heart receives. We have to guard our heart, as we said before a few weeks ago. We have to guard what comes into our heart. You can live in a certain kind of fear, and it will exactly affect how you respond repeatedly. If you are a fearful, natural person, that will respond in how you react to places and things and people and new situations. Thank you, Jesus. Some people are completely fearless. Some people will do anything. I, for one, will never jump out of a plane with a parachute on my back. It's not going to happen. If you hear that happen, you need to realize that somebody did something to Brother Downey. And it was essentially murder because he wouldn't have done it by himself. I'm not jumping out of a plane. Right? I have a natural fear of that, and I think it's reasonable. I think that's a reasonable use of my fear response. Thank you, Jesus. However, if somebody is, wants to show me a, uh, a, a wild animal out in the wild, and they can let me stand in, in, a, in a bus behind glass, I would love to do that. Go on a safari? I would love to do that. But there's some people who wouldn't even do that. Right? There's some people who wouldn't even do that. But that's okay. Right? But when it comes to loving God's people, can't let fear get in the way of it. When it comes to walking boldly in faith and believing that I can lay hands on somebody and let them be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus, can't let fear get in the way of that. I've got to stand boldly on the world and not be worried and not be fearful of a response that is what, what, what I expected. I gotta stand and speak to people about the word of God and not be fearful of what their faces look like. I gotta give them life without fear of repercussions. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to a couple more scriptures and then we'll we will end in the name of the Lord Jesus. Luke 
12, 22. And then finally, Psalms 91 and verse 5. 1222, St. Luke, and he said unto the disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Go through to 26. Go through, keep going through to 26. What you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. Yes. The life is more than meat, and body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. Which neither have storehouses nor barns, and God feedeth them. Yes. Mm-hmm. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Yes, amen. And which of you have taken thought can add to his stature one cubit? <laughs> if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Mm-hmm. Consider, verse 27. 26, just 26. 26. Thank you, Jesus. So here we have Jesus wanting you to be in a certain mindset as it relates to worry. And trouble on the heart. Jesus is saying you can't think and grow one centimeter. You can't, you can't think in yourself, I would like to be a couple more centimeters. If I was, I believe if I was six foot ten, I'd be in the NBA. But I thought that and I never grew one more inch. Not one more inch did I grow. I thought if I could have been six foot ten, I think I could have been an NBA player. Right? That's what I thought, but it didn't help me grow. Not one more inch. I went as far as I was ordained to go. Right? And Jesus is saying, you can't worry about the things you can't control. And we find ourselves constantly concerned, worried, fearful about things that are outside of our control. And it ends up dominating the way we think. We apply that same thinking to things that are fully within our control. And the fear starts to destroy things that were perfectly in your grasp before you started to worry about them. We have to be very careful about the fear response. We have to live in love, not fear. I I genuinely, as an exercise this week, want you to think about the things you're not doing because you're afraid. And I want you to stop being afraid and wondering about what your limitations would be without that fear. I really want you to do that. I want you to know what kind of love you're not giving because fear is standing in the way. Verse, the last one, if we could, Psalms 91 and verse 5. Whoever's got that? Psalms 91 and verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, for the arrow that flies by day. Thou shalt not be afraid. Don't be afraid of it. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is, and this is a real danger. The Lord is telling... The, the, the Lord is speaking through David and David is describing a very real danger. Right. It's real. An arrow flying is a real danger. That will kill. But David is saying, don't be afraid. We're not even saying dangers are not real. We're just saying, put your trust in the Lord. Yes. I'm not even saying that an arrow flying isn't dangerous. Right. It yeah. is. It is. But what I'm also saying is that we put our trust in the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. When, we, when we go down the street and we pray and we say, Lord, as I go on this journey, I want you to be with me. What we are saying is, we're acknowledging the danger that's there, but what we are saying is, Lord, you're going to be with me. 
Hallelujah. Right? We're not staying away from the street. What we're doing is we're yes. going to the street yes. and we're saying, Lord, you're going to be with me. I acknowledge yes. there's a danger out there, Amen. but you are with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Going back over my scriptures, he's with us. Yes. He's our shield. Yes. And he hears our voice. He is with us. He is our shield. And he hears our voice. May the Lord have a blessing to read his word. Amen.